Shine Me A Light podcasts. In this series, we're interviewing Class of 95 Sydney Girls High School students 27 years later. And this episode is Chrissy Hammond. You can say something. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for interviewing me. Yeah. And I'm trying not to call it an yeah. interview. I'm trying to call oh, yeah, it, convers- yeah, you know, I'm trying to be very controlling here and call it a conversation and then it'll just be an interview. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'll come up with some questions and there were some questions because the gist being that I've been able to see your life from the outside. So I'll tell you what I've seen from the outside and you tell me where I'm wrong. Oh. <laughs> okay. So I've seen that you've been a photographer mm-hmm. and that you've traveled around the world being a photographer, that you lived in Bali. Is that true? I was not being a photographer around the world. I was okay. living around the world. So my partner has, he, when I was pregnant with Ash, um, my firstborn son, he had started a new business in Indonesia and he'd left his old business in the city. So he was doing corporate stuff, consulting stuff, and he decided he wanted a lifestyle change. Anyway, he started up six businesses when I was pregnant with Ash, or well, oh maybe more H. And we were flying all around the world. Wow. And so it looks like I'm a photographer. <laughs> Maybe I was just traveling and taking my big camera. I love the yeah. starting of a lot of businesses. I yeah. relate to that. So when you first left school, what did you do? Um, fine arts. I left. Did I go traveling? It's a long time ago. And I can I can't remember. You can't remember. Oh, my God, I love that. So if I say 1996, do you think? I I know that was because I keep writing it down more recently, the year I left school, right? Yep. And then I think I went to art school. I can't remember. Do you remember when everyone was putting together those resumes for East Sydney, something East Sydney for art? Was it Tech, East Sydney Tech? Did you go to that? Do you know anyone who went to that? Uh, I'm sure. I have a really bad... That's the big dream. And when I say East Sydney Tech these days, people go, what? And I'm like, (laughs) I remember people. It still exists. Putting their stuff together for that. They still have that school. But I went to Kofa. Okay, so 2000 circa. What were you doing? Oh, oh dear. Jump forward. So I studied fine arts. I can't remember the timing. I did. I took a year off and saved money to do an exchange program to Texas. Yeah. So I lived in Austin, Texas for a semester and did art over there. And I think I came back and graduated and then left again and went to the UK to make shoes in the UK. To make shoes. Of mm. course. <laughs> <laughs> Logically. Yeah. Okay. So what I've got is fine arts degree yep. over to Texas. and then I start. took a year off and, year. Start and made money okay. and gambled for a year. I had two full-time jobs and gambled and somehow saved enough money to travel Texas. The gambling paid off. No, I don't think it did. I think actually in the end I had enough money. The Australian dollar was really strong against the US dollar for some reason at that time and I survived on Oz study. But I don't think I'll if the if it had been bad, I think I would have started. <laughs> okay, so yeah. you're making shoes now. It's circa two thousand. Yep. Where do we go from there? So I lived in the UK making shoes for a year and then I came back back and I think I studied at TAFE at TAFE and did footwear stuff and started a business doing handmade shoes. What attracted you to footwear? Um well there was Andrew McDonald 
on William Street in Paddington, like right up the road from me. And I'd studied fine arts. I'd majored in sculpture. And for me, the fine arts degree was, I think, too open or maybe too closed. They kind of had this idea that after you studied fine arts, you would take a certain path. And they were pushing everyone down this highly conceptual postmodernism. And I don't think I liked the idea of postmodernism. I thought I like the idea of modernism. I like the idea of making something. And I ended up in design. It made more sense to me. So I w- it was sculpture and design. It was practical. In one, yeah. So I had a sculpture degree. Okay. And then? And then I struggled to make shoes and make a living. <laughs> I think I, I managed oh. shoe shops in between setting up my business and I would I have studios where I made shoes and I would stay all night and sell the shoes and like try and build this business that was handmade shoes and realise that making shoes by hand eventually so cannot make money. Yeah. I, I worked out that there was a lot of shoes that I had put in so much time and effort that I'd basically made for free. Yeah, yeah. Like a charity. Yeah. <laughs> like help you I was making for these free shoes. shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Putting a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. So after that sort of sadly crashed and burned, <laughs> it sounds, what next? So I still did shoes. And in between, I was sort of applying for grants and stuff like that and art things. And I, I was working at camper shoes as a manager and I had a friend who was working at the same place and at the same time I'd applied for an arts residency at I think art space it's called in Ulamaloo and I'd received one and at the same time they asked me to be the manager of the store so I had to choose so I put it off being the art residency and I chose to be a manager and there was a girl in who was working in the shop and yeah. we ended up starting a business together. So I guess if I'd taken that residency, I could have got, gone more down the handmade thing, yeah. but we ended up starting a business in footwear together. And yeah, I spent years and years trying to build a men's footwear business called Masuom. And it was um, kangaroo. So people can Google M-A-R-S-U-H-O-M-M-E. So like Masu was short for marsupial. And om as in man, like yeah, in French. But the shoes were made out of um, kangaroo skin, which I know that you know in some places like I'm just going to pretend they were all roadkill. <laughs> in California, you can't actually sell it, and people. But it's like people cull the kangaroo, so it's actually yeah. an environmental they are thing. Also. Yeah. Dead, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, and then where are we at this point in history? We're oh. at 2000 and. 10? I didn't realise. You have to give me the notes beforehand that you need to remember. <laughs> you forgot about I don't the know chronology. what the date is. I spent years making shoes. Okay, so it blended into... Yeah. How did you get into photography? Was it photographing the shoes or was that always a passion? Oh, photography was way after. My, my business did go terribly bankrupt and terribly bad. So let, let's go like that yeah. part of the story. So before... So I had one failed footwear business. And that was with the handmade shoes where I realised I was making free shoes for people. The second business was going really well. We were selling to DJs. We were selling to Inku. We were in some really cool shops in Bondi. Uh, We did our first range made in Italy and it was all really cool. Um, The 
the second range that came out, people were saying, you've got to make it cheaper. So we were doing basically like semi-handmade footwear made outside Florence, and it was all really beautifully made and almost bespoke, you know, it was yeah. gorgeous. And then people try to push us Somehow to a cheaper price cheap. point. It's, yeah. Isn't that amazing? I, I've run into that concept too and I hate it. It's, I love there's a meme on it where somebody's doing a beautiful artwork and then they go, could you do this any cheaper? And they finish it off like a sketch. <laughs> Just stick drawing. Like a crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well, that's what everyone was into, which I think is hopefully changing now. All yeah. the fast fashion and trying to get things, you know, yeah. that just need to be renewed every yeah, yeah, every season, yeah. I ran into I had a bathroom shop and – You had a bathroom yeah. shop? Yeah, my one. family had a bathroom shop yeah. and I was running it. Yeah. The early 2000s, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imports, cheap, yeah. Okay, so forget vanities, back to shoes. So with businesses crashing and burning and that yeah. feeling, how was that? Um, I think now looking back, I don't think you think it's a big deal, but like now looking back, I'm kind of like there was – that point where that could have been a really super successful business. You know, we were <clears throat> supposed to put the shoes into David Jones and I held the order back because I said these shoes are not made properly. It was It's a really sad story because the guy who was making them in Brazil had gone a little mad. <clears throat> and I, I remember we had an agent in Australia who said, you should, probably shouldn't get these made, but we had held back on the second order of shoes. So I was like, well, we've got DJs, we've got all these things, let's just do it and not listening yeah. at all to anyone's advice. We pushed through, and when they arrived, they were like, crap. And I'm like, I can't sell these in DJs. We'll see what we can do with them. Let's, like, hold off and see what happens. And then I got all these messages from the guy, our agent, who said the guy in Brazil had committed suicide. Oh, His God. whole business had gone under. He was like – but I think he'd, he'd just slowly gone mental. Yeah, when I'd really met him, he was wearing designer outfits. I think he just spent money. You know, he had a designer Chris car. Interview. He'd kind of gone a bit mad. And, yeah, so it was really sad. But I, at the time, I was like, let's just do it. And looking back, I think if I'd listened to people, like maybe – I don't know if I still want to be in fashion ever again, but maybe I would have a successful footwear business. Because I relate to that 100%. When I'm on, when I've got a vision and I'm yeah. on track, I'm, I struggle to yeah. listen to other people's so input. Hard. You know, but you see it in like, I'm sure you see it in your teenage son. Oh, like, yeah. doesn't listen, you know? No. no. Some people have to reinvent the wheel. I was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So. But who does listen when they're that age? So what happened next after the shoe business? DJ, I mean, that's oh, a big deal the, too, DJs. Like I'm just yeah, sinking in. That's really a big, big... It was like about to take off. We had all these amazing things happening, but it was pretty cool afterwards actually because I flipped out at my business partner and it all went under. We split and she was asking me for money. It's like, well, we, we've got a debt. Yeah. <laughs> a massive debt. We did this together. <laughs> yeah, we have a massive debt together. So I ended up actually taking on the debt and she walked away with nothing. And it took me years to actually, like, be rid of that debt. And why but did I you had... take on the debt? Is that a self-belief that you would be able to pay it off and more? Is that, is that I wanted co- to keep the business right. at the time. Yep. Looking back, I should have just split the debt. Yep. But I had this um, pop-up shop after the business failed, which is probably my most favourite business I've ever had. Super fun. Um, I was going to op shops and buying secondhand, like anything I could get my hands on that was cool. And were you making them over? No, no, I wasn't making them up. I was just selling them. I was putting little tags on them and selling them. But I um, found these beautiful old cabinets, like curiosity cabinets. It was called 
the Artisan Guild and Curiosity Shop. You can Google it and it'll come up. Okay, that one I can spell. Yeah. <laughs> the Artisan Guild and Curiosity Shop. And we had an art gallery downstairs. It was in an old building on Oxford Street, not far from Kofa, near um, Taylor Square. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. And I had all these creative people working there. And that was probably the most fun. This was like found objects. So you've yeah. gone in and found all these but gems. But along, along with um, up-and-coming designers, so local designers oh. doing beautiful handmade one-off pieces. And how did that go? Oh, it was amazing. I loved it. I had, like, trees inside before you would do that. I had, um, you, oh, you won't like this, taxidermied animals on the wall. That's okay. <laughs> Taxidermy's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just pretend they all died and lived a long happy life <laughs> so it was it was weird and we had tarot reader we had um yeah it was just like anything totally creative and totally fine and it was right at the beginning well I think it was at the beginning when pop-up shops were just beginning to appear yep. so it was a really creative concept we had the best parties ever and it, it was worked fun, yeah. it was profitable it wasn't that profitable but it was so it was much a life. <laughs> it was a lifestyle <laughs> it wasn't a business it was a life. I'm not very good at making money um yeah relate to that <laughs> okay so and then and then um hmm. when did you meet your partner oh you've have you already met your partner no i was had another partner who was older and had older kids and we ended up splitting up he said he never wanted to have other kids he had three boys who were like older who were yeah. like in their 20s and he said he never wanted kids and I didn't think I wanted kids but I think we just ended up splitting yeah and how many oh I think in between there I met a guy who a lot of people know would know yeah right so he went to primary school and high school with a lot of people I know so we kind of felt like we knew each other and so we ended up together and we got engaged and that didn't work out. I ended up running away. Physically? Um, well, I was living in Canada with him and at the end, and I was really unhappy, like so unhappy. I had um, seasonal depression. Seasonal, what do you call it when you don't sad? Seasonal depression? Yeah, or oh, it's sad, but it's oh. something. Okay. I can't remember. We will Google that. Yeah. <laughs> seasonal <laughs> sad? Um, sad and... Um, I was doing yoga every day for a while and I remember the yoga teacher saying who in this class ha uses yoga as their only thing to make them happy and I was like I put my hand up <laughs> and I looked around and nobody else had their hand up and I was like what's well, so I'm the only one who like is only happy because of the yoga yeah and in the end I was um yeah working full-time in a shoe shop because that's what I was yep, qualified you know. to do and so unhappy and he went back to Australia he was doing um some medical thing, uh, work experience thing there. And so I went, um, so then I went to Canada. I was in Canada, miserable, and we were like, yeah, yeah, let's meet back in Australia. But I was working at the camper shop managing it, which I'd done earlier in Sydney. So I was working at the camper shop and I did uh, a little training thing in LA. So I'd gone to LA to meet the <clears throat> um, LA manager and she trained me up to be the manager or whatever. And whilst I was in LA, I was sitting somewhere having a pedicure and this guy walked in and I thought he was gay. He was getting his, he's not gay, but was asexual. He wasn't sexual or right. anything. He was quite asexual and a bit weird, like totally weird. And I ended up staying at his place for a while. Anyway, I ended up running away from him eventually. 
um, but I was <laughs> and he was just driving me around in his Porsche or his like big you know like Humvee kind of thing I don't know what the hell drive me around going from place to place putting money into, into ATMs ATM. like with bags of money and oh then I'd be on the phone trying to call places like trying to get new hotels and stuff I never sold anything <laughs> Okay, the ones he had when you got but there. But I was getting the paid, had, like, sort of not an amazing amount. And in LA, I was doing like yoga every day, living on Sunset Boulevard, going to. He was taking me to nice places to eat, like sushi restaurants, all the cool places. It was experience <laughs> and experience. Okay, so so you ran away from him from yes. Sunset. So I ended up. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I totally relate to that. I love it. Like my friend Hannah, who you, I met. Do you remember Hannah? Hannah she went with to an S surname. Hannah Fermi. She went to St. Catherine's. Anyway, the people who remember Hannah will remember Hannah. Yes. She's. Um, she, I went to art school with her and she was one of my bestest friends. And she lived in LA also. And she married some Mexican gangster in LA. So anyway, she put me in touch with this guy because I was like, I'm in LA, blah, blah, blah. She, I'm like hook me up with some of your friends and I went girlfriend and she was like oh I know this guy he's like hook up with him he's super sleazy and I'm like no 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 I'm going to hook up with him so she asked her so yeah so friend. the Argentinian dude turns up on a motorbike like super kind of fit Argentinian dude American Argentinian dude turns up on a motorbike and he kind of professes to save me from this whole situation that was where I was was quite weird um, it's not looking like it's getting any less weird. <laughs> we, anyway, we did things like we drove down to Mexico on the bike together and, like, it was fun. Yeah. And then I came back to Sydney. So what's it like starting from scratch? I feel like I've done it a few times. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think it keeps happening. Anyway, starting from scratch, I'm fine with that. Yeah. It's fine. Does that – and I've asked, I asked it before, but do you have this sense of belief that you'll be okay, that you'll be able to rebuild things? Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. And I think – so what have been your greatest challenges? So for Because for some people, yeah. starting from scratch, that almost – that takes them to the suicide point, you yeah. know. So what have been the greatest challenges for you personally? Well, I think it's the opposite. It's like fear of commitment, right. you know, like so fear of committing to something, like the fact that I've been, you know, in the same – I've kind of surrendered to being a mum. <laughs> oh, wow, that is a level of surrender, isn't it? Yeah. For life, for life. Yeah. Is it for life? I'm hoping there's an end for you. <laughs> don't tell me that. But you're, no, I know, yeah. I know you. And the, that whole phrase is coming up for me, that thing about, you know, life's what happens while you're busy making other plans. And, and children do that to you on a daily basis. You just, you, you know, you want to do ABC and they say, no, yeah. Yeah. I'm not putting my shoes on. <laughs> anyway, okay, so you became a mum. What age did you become a mum for the first time? 38. That was my second time. It's so much better. I'll tell you what, the 24, mum, no, 38, is, yeah, much better. Okay. So you're feeling, you at least got some sense of who you are and that, yeah. you know, you've done enough for yourself. And is, are you, okay, and this is going to be really embarrassing if it's not you, but I saw this picture of a stomach and then the baby's there later on. Is that your family? Yes, yes. Great. Well, that's stepkids. Right, because it was your Nikki. So that's, <laughs> don't mix this up. Anyway, um, yeah, my, so my partner who I met, so we had kids really quickly after meeting. Yeah. 
like that, yeah. in the next year after meeting, like within a year of meeting, we had Ash and then Liv within less than two years after that. Um, and he's got two older kids. So he's so I've got two stepkids and we have two kids together. Wow. <laughs> and, that, and at that time, I'd always wanted to have a daughter. And I said this to Jada as well because I saw her picture when she was pregnant also at 38. And I was so upset that I was never going to have my daughter. I thought I was just not going to happen. And I was very sick at the time. And it turned out I was 32 weeks pregnant when I was crying over you guys as pregnancies. <laughs> <laughs> and that's partly why I was so sick and it just had been completely misdiagnosed. But, um, yeah, that's a beautiful age, I think, to have kids. Very lucky yes. from my perspective. Well, yeah, I don't know the difference, but I kind of feel like it was easier. Yeah. You, you know when to kind of let go and... And you can surrender you have a bit to of, it. Yeah, you have a bit of perspective. Yeah. Like you need... Because I think I do have a friend who's a lot younger and I think she wanted to tick all the boxes of the good parent. And I kept saying to her, let's go out for dinner. Let's hang out. Yeah. And she wouldn't. She wanted to be there for the family. And it's like, you've got to take that time. By the time you're close to 40, you're like, I'm taking that time. I'm take care of me <laughs> or no one's going to get taken care of because I'm going to have a yeah. meltdown. Okay, so what, are some, what is your definition of success, your personal definition? Ooh. Sometimes for me it's just as much as remembering to put the bins out, <laughs> hearing the garbage <laughs> truck and knowing my rubbish <laughs> is getting collected. But, in yeah. yeah. I guess that's the thing. It can be little things like... And when you think about your kids, I think sometimes this helps. If your kids are to be, quote, unquote, successful, what will that mean in your eyes? I think for me, success is balance, which I think is has been one of the also hardest things for me to find in my life, like having a balance of friends, work, and now kids, friends, work, like the things that I want to do at the Sleep. same time. And I prioritise that now completely. I pretty much blog about it. Um, but, the yeah, the, the success for my kids would be the same, I think. Like having a level of balance in their lives where they have enough of everything they need rather than just focusing on business or work. I think I burnt out very early on with fashion. Fashion is an industry where you can pour all your energy, all your time, everything into it and not get much back. Yeah. And uh, that's been one of my biggest lessons too has been that you do not control the outcome. You can put your all into something and it might not work out the way you want. So if your definition is that I must get that outcome, I must get to that level of success in my career or I must live in that suburb, then you're sort of setting yourself up for potential failure, yeah. disappointment and feeling of failure yeah, the whole way around. So definitely what you're putting in is more important. Okay. What brings – okay, this is one of the things I've seen about you that I really like, that you do sort of interweave creativity into parenting. I didn't know how to do that, and I think that's what you're getting at with your friend a little bit and finding how to blend your life. I didn't know how to blend creativity into parenting. So they were very separate, and I felt very frustrated when I was parenting because I wanted to do my creative pursuits and I was resentful of my child taking up my time, you know. Um, and finding a way to be creative with kids is, is, is a oh, – what's the word? Like it's a skill. It's a – um. And, and I've learned about, from you. Yeah. So, for example, in the, in the school holidays, I was struggling with um, what to do with her and I had reached burnout. And then I, I looked at you, something online, and you were making something. I didn't even know what it was. It was like a mangala, some word like mandala. that. Mandala. There we go. Okay. Didn't even know. <laughs> and I said, we're going to go for a walk in the rain and we're going to find objects and we're going to make something today. And doing that with her 
from that was a turning point in the school holidays. Aww. So that was something. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but you seem to be able to do that. And I know a lot of parents don't like they're taking their kids to soccer. They're taking their kids to do their kid things. They're doing all these things for their kids, and then their time is totally separate. Sometimes they don't even have any outlet for their own creativity, and and it's that battle between parenting and and my, my time and finding a way to do stuff that's creative with your children is, I reckon that's just an amazing lesson for a lot of people are looking for that lesson and. You taught it to me. So how did you sort of go with that? How did you – is that something you just did naturally? I think so. I think so. I think, yeah, I'm that's also so cool. like – that's so sweet that you did the mandala. We didn't really so do I'm, that. It, we just... When I hear those things, I think like, oh, at least what I'm doing on my Instagram, some people are being influenced because that's what I found. Like if I was doing a lot of creative stuff with my kids, I'd see other people who saw it also starting to do creative stuff. Yeah, we just found um, some leaves and stuff. Yeah, we found that so the easy. suburb is way too clean. I remember when we used to look for found objects in high school. There was so much rubbish in Redfern and Moore Park. And we came up with heaps <laughs> of stuff, you know, walking around my suburb. But my daughter found, like, leaves that look like ladybugs, she reckoned. Oh, and so yeah. we were able to make, like, ladybug pictures losing the leaves. And yeah, that's just such a I reckon that's such a valuable lesson for parenting. Maybe everybody knows it. Maybe everybody does not. I don't think it's natural. I, think it's, I think the way we're brought up, especially in Sydney, we're all so busy. And that's I started doing slow living when I had Ash. So I think that's what's also that? slow living is... Yeah, what's slow? What's slow? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I totally. Because like, you get yeah. so caught up in what you're doing. It's like tick, 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 next thing, next thing, next thing. How do I fit something else into that timetable rather than actually stopping? And when... When I had Ash, we were living between Sydney and Bali. So I'd go from, and this is what I was, I was kind of blogging about slow living because I wanted to share it, but I had this weird lifestyle where I'd go, okay, I'm in Bali. I have a nanny. I have a full-time cleaner, full-time cleaner, full-time nanny. I can go away from the house, leave the kids there. They love the nanny. It's like a second mom. And I'll go. I've got nothing to do really. I can go sit in a beach club for like six hours in a day like ridiculous I know it was amazing go I'd get massages every day like $10 massages every day this is my version of that like what I'm doing right now because she's at school (laughs) and the mess is at home for me later but um when I come back to Sydney so I had this dream lifestyle when I come back to Sydney I had I was sharing a dog that needed four walks a day I had two toddlers less than two years apart so when she was born newborn and two-year-old then I had two steps kids because we'd been away for a month we'd get the step kids so I'd come back to Sydney from Bali six hours a day doing nothing to to that and like cleaning no cleaner you know can't afford takeaways we're like startup business and so I come back and be like oh my god what the hell is going on and that's also, I think when the slow living thing was the only way I could survive. So that's what I live in. And in the midst of the, you know, the cleaning and the parenting and the working and the, the was study and the trying to have a relationship and trying to get friends and trying to sleep and trying to meditate and trying to get everything done. I then have ideas coming to me like a traffic jam banking up yeah. in my head. <laughs> and I feel sometimes like I am. Ah! So what is slow living? How do you do this in a day? How- it started out by doing I'm writing a course at the moment I was listening to a podcast called the slow home okay when I was pregnant with ash so it did start beforehand and then 
when they first started the podcast, it still exists, and she wrote this beautiful book called Slow, which is also a really great book to read about how to start slow living. But in the beginning when she was podcasting, she'd do these monthly things where she'd say, as an experiment, for the one whole month, you're going to spend time in nature every day. And I'm kind of using some of these ideas in the course I'm doing on creativity. So you go into nature every day or the next month that was creativity. You're going to do something creative every day. Yeah. And at the time when I was doing it every day, I noticed how much more relaxed I was and how things changed. And actually, you get that meditative time. So you slow down, but you become more productive. So instead of becoming like, oh, I've got to fit this into my day, you put it as a priority and then you'd end up spending that time doing this thing where you were so mindful and in the moment and afterwards instead of being stressed things would just get done i relate to that it seems it seems so counterintuitive yes because when you're going at a million miles an hour the thought for me of even taking five minutes to meditate it's oh i don't have time you don't have five minutes exactly but if you reverse the priorities and you get yourself spiritually centered and calmed and everything's easier and everything works you have to work at it constantly it's like meditating because you can't just give it up that's right come back and it goes through cycles and then it feels natural anyway because that is the natural cycle of like like the waves come in and go out and the stress come builds up and you i like like being this age (laughs) because 25 just sort of said you know there is i don't think we have the energy we used to have the energy oh the energy i have we don't really i don't have the energy today i don't no no we used to that's what i'm saying we used to now we don't have the energy especially with kids you've got to say okay well what do i have time for so i try and have a smaller list and prioritize my yoga and my other things and i'm still trying to do my art and you know write this course yeah but at the moment it's like when i'm in a good place I know that it will happen easily. And write this course. I have, this is the first I've heard of this course. What is the course? So I'm doing a course on creativity Okay. or so, some courses. Okay, how do you feel about the version of yourself that you were 30? Oh, God, I got this number wrong the other week too. How many years has it been? 95, 27 years ago was HSC year. So 30 years ago, say, how do you feel about how you, who you were back then? Um, I, maybe like... Slow down. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh my god! What the hell are you doing? Like, and which yeah. one of you was it? You or your sister who had bells in the end oh, of I your fingernails? That, that would have been me. No, I have never not forgotten yes. that. Every time I see somebody getting <laughs> long nails done, I think, "Have you considered piercing the tip of that and putting a bell through?" This is the thing. Like during my the course of my life, I was really weird at art school really weird and I had a pet rat and I had coloured hair and like and I look back and I think like now when I'm making my art the other day my stepdaughter who's 13 turned around and looked at my art and said that is really weird and I was like you know what I'm totally cool with that you know like I don't want to I think you try and be a certain image. Yeah. I'm like, I want to be fucking weird. Yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> and it was an accident. <laughs> Didn't <even> try. <laughs> okay. Um, what are some things that you're still burning to do in your life? Because, um, and I, one thing I've noticed is you said you do not make these 10-year plans and five-year plans, but yeah. in a way you have a vague goal list. Yes. So you've got some, maybe you're working on it unconsciously. Do you want to, do you want to hear my goal list? Yeah, what's on the goal list? I'm going to be, oh, I 
hate listening to myself. I'm going to be so traumatized. <laughs> Listen to everyone else's episode. Um, so I'll read you these. I don't know if you want to like do it. Um, I have balance in my life. I'm grateful every day for my life and my wonderful partner. He, he kind of added, helped me at that. <laughs> I <laughs> exercise and live with more awareness. I'm an exhibiting artist. Actually, there's one. Mm. I am successful in my business and I achieve my goals. I am present with the kids and teach them. I learn new things and skills. I spend time with friends and family. I embrace life's challenges and keep perspective. I give back to people less fortunate. That's beautiful. I've never done anything like this. Okay. What struggles are you facing today at this age? Um, I think I'm about to go into a new struggle. I think children. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the 14-year-old. What? yeah, 14. Good luck. 11. Four. Four four is challenging. Six is not challenging. But I think, like, the problems get bigger. They do. That's what everyone says. And you're kind of like, oh, my God, my children are having meltdowns. And you're like, that's so hard. It's not hard. You can just sit there and let it happen. Like, what happens when, you know? Yeah, and you kind of have to because I I saw one of the things you wrote in there is to be present with them and teach them, and that's so beautiful when they're young because they want to learn from you. Yeah. And then they hit this age where they know more than you and you know nothing (laughs) from their perspective and that's a struggle. Yeah. Well, I guess having the older kids to test it on and to learn helps. And my partner's really chilled because he's got four kids, so he's pretty chilled. But I think my – job is a thing also that kind of makes it easier like going to work at least once a week seeing the disadvantaged kids and working with them when they can't even concentrate enough to have a conversation like a proper conversation and then I come home and I'm kind of like it's not a big deal you guys guys are fine like you know what like 13 and 11 year old are little shits but you, you know what you're not yeah. You haven't tried to stab anyone today, you know. You're not selling drugs. You're fine. <laughs> and this is that thing, isn't it? That's the way they're feeling on the inside. This yeah. from the inside theme has just really hit me in the last few years. But it's, I used to think things were about the outside yeah. um, and you needed to make changes on the outside. Mm. And so a kid who's like that, the approach yeah. would be let's get some behavioural strategies in place to mm. get you to – but it really is all about the way they're yes. feeling. Yes. Kids are feeling good and not yeah, taking drugs. My um, really good friend who got me the job at the school, she's an art therapist, and she's taught me this thing. And when I go into the school, we always talk about regulating the kids. And so we have a lot of occupational therapy. So we might have, we've got swings. They can go to the OT room and they can do swings. Or in the classrooms, we've got, like in the art room, sand. They play with sand and it regulates their systems. Or they can do scratch paper drawings. It's tactile. Yeah, Yeah, balloons, blowing up balloons, doing, um, we've got, pieces of um, stretchy fabric for them to wrap themselves in and she talks about being able to regulate people which I completely 100% agree with now by sitting next to them yeah so if you're regulated you can sit next to a person and regulate them so my job I feel like is to do as much as I can to be regulated and then try and regulate the people especially the kids you know my kids their kids you know because yeah I suppose you would have noticed that as a mum too the the energy meshes if i'm uptight my daughter will be uptight if i'm calm i can influence and when it all goes to shit it all goes to shit and when you're both uptight (laughs) at the same time (laughs) boom and sometimes it needs that though then to come back to normal yeah Yeah. a good cry all right well 
Thank you very much, Chrissy. Thank you for having me, Alexis. I felt like I talked a lot during this podcast, but I really enjoyed talking to Chrissy and there was a lot of thought-provoking stuff that came up. So thank you so much, Chrissy Hammond.